Hello, I'm Emily Hazard. And I'm Becca Anderson. And this is Grey's Anatomy Uncut, a podcast where we discuss and analyze episodes of Grey's Anatomy. Today we're on Season 2, Episode 22, The Name of the Game, which was a song originally sung by ABBA. Original air date is April 2nd, 2006, written by Blythe Robe and directed by Seth Mann. 22.35 million viewers, which is up from last week. And also just so many viewers. Every single week, it, like, amazes me. Are Blythe and Seth new? Yeah. Okay. That's cool that even, like, end of second season, we're still getting new Mm -hmm. writers and directors getting Mm -hmm. involved. Yeah, so anyway... I have a little bit of follow-up. So I totally didn't bring this up last episode when How to Save a Life was playing, but I'm going to read this little blurb that I got from Wikipedia, so take it with one big pile of salt. The song was first featured on ABC's Grey's Anatomy after Alexandra Pat Savaz, the music supervisor for the show, our queen, Saw the band in Los Angeles. Alexandra then incorporated the song into Superstition, an episode of the show's second season. Uh, After its usage in the episode, the song became a minor Hot 100 hit. The song became an unofficial theme for the other members of the Grey's Anatomy production after the episode aired, leading to the decision that the song would be used in the main promotion for the third season of the show. Grey's Anatomy is credited with bringing popularity to the song. That's, I kind of feel like there are three songs that, like, when I think of, like, pop, like, more popular songs that, like, I've heard on the radio, and the three of them, like, whenever I hear it, no matter what, I just, I just think of Grey's Anatomy, and they're kind of the first three songs that I think of when I think of Grey's Anatomy, and it's Breathe from the Bomb episode, How to Save a Life, and then chasing cars which we'll get to in the season two finale chasing cars oh my god you know what i mean like i feel Mm. like i hear those songs and all i think like i hear breathe and i just think about the bomb and Mm. i know the moment when like the bomb explodes and all that stuff and like i know the scene chasing cars is in and like all this stuff and but i would say how to save a life is weirdly not even a big moment in the in the show it just like it's not it's not a huge moment but i like the um just, like, all the cutting and everything that they're doing in that scene. Yeah. Like, I think they do a good job of making, like, a not a humongous, like, you know, it's not a bomb exploding, but... I just think it's funny because they had no idea that that song was going to take off the way it did, and had they known, I feel like they might have saved it for a more intense moment, but it was just kind of like an everyday... They used only half the song as well. Like, they didn't even use... Whatever. You know what I'm saying. But I kind of like that, too. Yeah, me too. I like that. But it's like the song took on a whole new, like, power after the show used it yeah it's kind of cool so i guess i'll do my opening first this time why not this is honestly just a joyful episode of Grey's anatomy like i just felt pure joy while watching this it is everything that a Grey's anatomy purist like myself i don't want to speak for becca would want in an episode i mean all of the characters are just so their characters in this episode. It's one of those episodes where that really gets at the essence of each character and helps build these personalities into, like, how we remember them. Like, neurotic Meredith is knitting. Izzy is going full jealous bitch mood. And I love every moment, minute of it. Denny, like, any Grey's purist loves Denny. And then Christina's inability to understand social situations. The writers have done their hard work, and now they're just 
They just get to sit back and watch as it pays off for the next six episodes because we are revving up to the finale right now. I feel like this episode was really the characters embracing like their characters insanity Mm -hmm. (laughs) was just like the writers of being like we know you know like izzy can be kind of jealous and all this stuff but we're just gonna send her into this total like jealous rage (laughs) and stuff and it's like yeah meredith's a little crazy but like we're gonna have her just going insane and knitting and everything because i mean who doesn't love especially the scene when she's like in the joe's bar knitting and you're just like if this was anyone else but Meredith, it would be so weird, but it just fits her so well. She's also kind of, like, twitching. Like, she's knitting, like, she's knitting so hard <laughs> that, like, I almost expect her, like, little needles to be smoking. <laughs> it's also crazy because, like, this episode is so great, like, how we're talking, but they keep getting better from here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I Which know. is insane. You watch this and you're like, this is such a great episode, but it's like... But next episode is going to be so much better. And the episode after that is going to be even better. Yeah. And it's crazy. Isn't it? It's insane. Mm-hmm. It honestly is insane how, like, this episode is flawless television. And next episode is better. And yeah. then it's better. And then it's episode 225, which is freaking amazing. And you're like, how can it top is that? that? Seven seconds? 17 seconds. 17 seconds. And then, then you're like, how could you possibly top that? I don't know. The two-hour season finale, which is TV perfection. But we will get there when we get there. The Catherine Heigl murders. (laughs) Yeah. Spoiler. Anyway. I mean, when doesn't she murder? But, you know. She always murders. She murders my heart. (laughs) So I just wanted to read this little Grey Matter blog post. Holy crap. Like, I had not read any of these Grey Matters. I discovered it while podcasting. And all this George Meredith Derrick and then the Thatcher Ellis um, Richard connections, I came up with on my own. I actually didn't, like read that anywhere and this is literally what Shonda or what the writer of this I guess her name is Blythe said about this episode Shonda has created an interesting parallel between George Meredith Derrick and Thatcher Ellis Richard for Ellis Thatcher was her George and Richard her McDreamy in their story Ellis spent her life pining over Richard while nearly ruining Thatcher's in the process her neglect scarred Thatcher so deeply that it spoiled his relationship with his own daughter a regret he will have to carry for the rest of his life again the angry game is one of the toughest to beat but you know what helps new prospects prospects like sexy vets and orthodox barf barf yeah. <laughs> wait where is it <laughs> oh true 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 orthodox am i right now we have the opening a good basketball game can have us all on the edge of our seats games are all about the glory pain and the play-by-play <laughs> that's just hurtful <laughs> in your fucking face Callie. and then there are the more solitary games The games we each play all by ourselves. The social games. The mind games. We use them to pass the time to make life more interesting. To distract us from what's really going on. There are those of us who love to play games. Any game. And there are those of us who love to play a little too much. I just want to go over this one line where... There are the mind games. We use them to pass the time and make life more interesting. And I'm like... Meredith. She's just like, I like to mess with people's mind to make my life more interesting. (laughs) Yeah, sociopathic murderer. Yeah. Uh, Another from the gray matter. So tonight's 
theme was the games we play. The reason I love this theme so much is because games are so much a part of this show. It goes all the way back to the very beginning when Shonda introduced their internship as, quote, the game. The competition, striving for excellence, and the surgeries themselves are all part of it. But it's also the emotional game, fueled by the interns' relationships with each other. <coughs> Magic. <coughs> with their patience, and with the hope of somehow, some way, finding the time in their absurdly busy lives to get laid, and maybe even find love in the process. It's quite a complex game. I think it's so cool that the show is still kind of going back to things that they said in the first couple of episodes. Like, you know, as she said, you know, Shonda introduced the internship as the game and kind of that stuff and how they kind of are still going back to that and connecting it to the early episodes because it does make it, I don't know, it makes it, it makes it seem like you could easily walk into your screen and it is a real world. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I love about well, it. Well, the thing that I kind of like too, is it all makes sense and it mm -hmm. seems like they've planned this from the beginning and it's like oh my gosh this is what you meant when you did this back in this episode and all of this stuff and it's cool to kind of have that show and I feel like a lot of shows kind of start off like that and then will lose it mm -hmm. somewhere along the way this one does <laughs> spoiler alert I mean it does uh, and oh yeah spoiler but it happens with age of a show because there actually a lot of TV shows there is a point where you see that its success has outlasted their plan. Yes. There's a lot of that where it's like, mm, like How I Met Your Mother is a little bit like that. You're like, oh, they only planned for X number of seasons, but they were so successful that they did like seven more than they planned for, you know? And every show, every hugely successful show, uh, you know, suffers from that. But I don't necessarily know if Grey's Anatomy planned all of this stuff, but what they do is that they're able to take things that they just threw in earlier episodes that really didn't mean anything and they never thought they were going to use it, but then they find a way to use it, which is also yeah. takes talent. Yeah. Well, it's also still going back to kind of, I guess, like what you have and like being like, mm -hmm. right, this is what we have. This is what we've done. What can we use in this to make it? to continue yeah. on the story or kind of thing. It's not just, let's pull this random thing out of thin air and do it. So, the first song is Girl You Shout by our favorite Dressy Bessie. <laughs> I hate saying that so much. <laughs> I love these band names. Like, let me tell you, this show has given me a new repertoire of band names. Yeah, I know. <laughs> that, like, now, like, you hear people, some people, they're like, that band name's so weird. And I'm like, but have you heard of Dressy Bessie? <laughs> <laughs> the real OG of Grey's Anatomy, Jesse Bessie. And we open with Meredith knitting in Joe's bar. Let that sink in, folks. <laughs> and I love Joe is just like staring at her like, what the hell is this woman trying to do to me? I'm also wondering. I'm just like, she's like, I, I can't drink because when I drink, then everyone becomes poor me. Like, quote. And... <laughs> Then, then I end up naked, and I'm like, then why did you come to a bar? There is no evidence that she came with her friends. This is 100%, like, I feel like Joe's bar is just Meredith's safe place, and it's where she goes when she's upset. Mm -hmm. It's like, I don't know, like, if you had, like, a park or something, you'd be like, oh, I'm gonna go to this park, like, I'm upset, or, like, go to my room. Instead, she's like, ugh, I just had this horrible day, and I can't drink or anything, but I just, I need to go to Joe's bar. Well, it's that she wants people to ask. 
Oh, 100%. Yeah. Like, you don't go, you don't be like, oh, I'm not drinking. Like, she's just like, by the way, guys, I'm not drinking. I'm just going to rub it in all your faces. (laughs) I'm better than all of you. (laughs) Confirmed. And and Joe's just like, get out. (laughs) Yeah. But she just looks like such a neurotic maniac, and I am loving it. She's, like, angrily knitting, too. I know. She's thinking that, like, the knitting needles are, like, piercing Derek's heart or something. Oh, yeah, she's staring black fire into that knitting. Yeah. And she sucks. She's horrible. Oh, yeah. She's terrible. Exactly how I'd imagined her. (laughs) I also just love, I'm celibate. You mean sober. She means sober. (laughs) And then Derek's like, you celibate? I just don't buy it. Shut the fuck up, Derek. And we're like, you want to know what would be a bigger surprise, Derek? You being celibate. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And then she goes, no more men. And this is, this was a weird conversation between Meredith and Derek. 100%. And then Addison's like, no more men. Really? You? Burn. (laughs) I'm asking because we are pl- friends, and I'm like, is this a power play? <laughs> Do you need some aloe vera for that burn? <laughs> and, you know, I actually kind of wish that Meredith and Addison got more scenes in this show. Like, I can probably count, like, the really good Addison-Meredith scenes on one hand. Mm-hmm. It's kind of sad. Yeah, so she's making a sweater. So then we cut over to Denny and Izzy in the hospital. They're playing Scrabble. Izzy is knitting an identical sweater with much better technique. I love how she even has, like, the... She has, like, metal, like, knitting needles just to show that she is... She has leveled up. She's literally the grandma. (laughs) Yeah. I know we've done this before, but who is uh, Izzy on the Golden Girls? Is it Rose? I feel like it would have to be, because Christina's Dorothy. I mean, Meredith is obviously Blanche. (laughs) So true. Who's Sophia? Bailey? Kind of. She's like the mother, yeah. Rose would have to be Izzy, right? Yeah, because Izzy's like a lovable little, like, old lady. She does tell some trailer park stories, too. She does. Back in the trailer park. (laughs) Betty White, we love you. Come on the podcast. (laughs) And Izzy is just literally obsessed with George and Meredith. Yeah, Denny is like, like, he literally has to, like... Like he he rolls his eyes, but and, you know I need to just get this out right away. Izzy being jealous over George and Callie is by far one of my favorite pastimes on this show. Throughout the course of this entire show, I love every single moment of it. Maybe that says something about my personality, but hey, she's just so petty about it, and it's amazing, I know. <laughs> and I love it. Like, I actually recently took like every single which original intern are you test online and i would say that it was split i would say 60 percent izzy 40 percent george i'm 60 40 george i could see it i also took a what percentage meredith gray are you and i got 25 percent meredith gray and i'm like that's probably good (laughs) yeah if you took that you got 100 percent. you you might be a sociopath (laughs) i might be a mass murderer yeah we should make prisoners take it. I just love that she's... <laughs> Callie. That's not a name. Callie. Thank you. Thank you. Someone's speaking sense now. Callie is not a name. It is, okay, it could have been so much worse. Some of the names we have now of people... Like jambalaya or something? <laughs> like, what's worse than... Uh, I don't jambalaya? Like that's a food. <laughs> I know. Like, name a, name a name that's worse than that. Rain. But is that a girl's name? Yes. I mean, her name could have been, like, Precious or LaFonda. I have met a Precious. <laughs> My dad's met a Squeegee, so. <laughs> so. My mom knew a yeah. girl in 
one of her classes that his name was Shite, spelled S-H-I-T, but it was pronounced Shite. That's amazing. I kind of <laughs> wish that Callie's name was Shite. Can we call her Shite Torres? No. <laughs> Anywho, um, yeah, and I just love that he starts hanging out with this Callie. That's not even a name, Callie. Who is she anyway? <laughs> Who does this bitch think she is? <laughs> She's so angry. And poor Denny is, like, just trying to play his damn game. <laughs> She's paying him zero attention. Just, like, the way- the fact that they can write this kind of dialogue for Katherine Heigl is why I will always like Katherine Heigl. <laughs> Actually, Meredith, that's my friend, the friend that broke George. She's knitting a sweater. She's not really knitting the sweater because she cannot knit, but I want her to think she's knitting a sweater because she and I took a celibacy vow. And sh- so she's replacing sex with knitting. And so I am knitting pieces of Meredith's sweater so I I can switch them out with hers so that she can really believe that she's knitting because if anyone needs to be celibate it's meredith because she broke george you know <laughs> like that was a line that was delivered on national television i hope you all know that <laughs> this, that's like, insane that's insane it's, it's it was such a long run on sentence and i love denny is just like i don't care this, no but like it yeah. goes it goes straight over him this is a sociopathic thing to do. Oh Izzy God. is basically throwing herself on the grenade that is Meredith Grey and trying to save her from her own dark ways. Like, that is that is insane. Does Meredith not notice that Izzy switching out the pieces of the sweater? <laughs> That's the best part. I think, what? I think what would have made this episode even better, this is my make one change, is if the last scene, you know, like, they show Izzy giving a sweater to Denny. <laughs> Meredith gives a sweater to like Derek and she's like look at this sweater I made I'm so proud of it and Izzy's just in the background like does she really think that she knitted that and Derek's like what is this no it's like the sweater that like Izzy had knit for Meredith and Meredith is like so proud of it because she's like I knitted this and everyone's like no you didn't and Derek's like oh thanks (laughs) Izzy like is holding like Meredith's like (laughs) big like fluff ball yeah like burning garbage pile of a sweater yeah Just like we need dou- to kill this thing with fire. <laughs> just like dousing gasoline. Yeah, light it up. <laughs> light me up. <laughs> oh man, dude, I just love the like. You know what? I was being nice. I was letting you in because you're <laughs> Mister Sick Guy. Sick needs a new organ guy. But just for that comment, I'm gonna kick your ass. Yeah, I'm gonna go. You put down Mount Denny. <laughs> like. Catherine Heigl is at the height of her powers right now. She is annihilating drama. She is blowing comedy out of the water. And every scene is just a 100% pleasure to watch. I feel like season two of Grey's Anatomy was Catherine Heigl's height. Yeah. Like, I don't think... Well, first off, I don't think anyone can do better than this. Mm. So she's basically murdering everything. But, like, this right here is just acting gold this is what they should show in acting classes do this actors and guys just try to live it up as much as you can because like it it doesn't get better than this also her hair in this scene is incredible that is a great way to transition over to a cali scene am i right everybody (laughs) because izzy's hair foil in this show is (laughs) cali So, we're going to move on over to a very pathetic scene where Burke and Christina are having a double date game night with Callie and George. On the fun level in this apartment, it's probably negative. 
This sounds like a horrible way to spend an evening. And first off, what the hell is George wearing? See, okay, when I wrote that down, I was like, he's wearing like this like disgusting V-neck cardigan that makes him look like a 70-year-old man baby. But then I noticed that like Thatcher's wearing like a three-piece brown suit. And I was like, what are you trying to be, Atticus Finch? And then I was like, he kind of looks similar to George in the beginning of this episode. And we've got a lot of like George Thatcher comparisons. So I'm like, hmm, maybe that's not their own. By mistake maybe it still doesn't change the fact that that cardigan or whatever the hell it is is horrible yeah he looks like a man baby he looks like he mugged a grandfather for that <laughs> ripped it off of his body and yeah. had Meredith sew it back together i made this sweater callie's hair is still just wet <laughs> like it looks it looks like the if the word moist took physical form it would be callie's hair and I just, I don't get it. You know, we've all seen pictures of Sarah Ramirez. She has normal looking hair. Why can they not style it correctly in this show? I, ugh, gross. I don't know. I don't understand. Like, whoever, like. Is it a choice? I mean, like. <laughs> like, I don't, because theoretically, like, they probably have like, what, what, maybe one hairstylist or something. So is the same person who is styling Izzy's hair <laughs> that looks amazing also creating this monstrosity? <laughs> You know what this needs? More gel. Because, like, if they are, like, they, we need to talk to them. Yeah. Anyway. Also, what is this? <laughs> Pooh is. Pooh is brown. And you're like, Illuminati. And you're like, yeah. this is, what? And oh, then, my God. Callie's like, apparently we think alike. And she gives him, like, sex eyes. And then Christina goes, wow, I can't believe you're proud of that. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Christina's is the most, like, yeah, okay, whatever. Because, like, Christina just hates everyone. And Callie right now is, like, posing a threat. So Christina mm-hmm. is, like, beating her. And Christina's just like, that is why I hate you. There is no other reason in the world that I hate you. But I just hate you because you're a threat to me. Yeah. I mean, they're all taking shits on Callie in this episode, though. And I love it. Because, like, if anyone had said that to George, Christina would have... Like, it has nothing to do with the fact that it's Callie. It's oh, just yeah. Christina just shits on everyone. And it's fantastic. And then Burke can't, can't get Madonna. <laughs> Madonna. <laughs> That's like I just love how he, oh Madonna how he says that and Christina is just like I'm gonna rip your head off of your body. yeah seriously he she's just like you don't deserve me that would okay but seriously like when you think about it they weren't they kind of the Madonna generation a little bit but like I even would have gotten that yeah like that's like somebody from our generation like the clue is shake it off how do you not get that just be like shake it off Taylor Swift whatever there's some things that you just know burke yeah speaking of which do you think burke would be a taylor swift fan i have no idea we are never ever getting back together (laughs) maybe he's too socially awkward to know who taylor swift is that would be physically impossible like i would like to to find somebody who has not at least like heard her name which interns go with which taylor swift album i thought i think we talked about this not on the air oh we have we have talked about it though (laughs) let's say we totally have talked about this oh yeah we talked about it on ron that's right because reputation was christina okay meredith is red (laughs) yes yes um george is the debut album yeah who's fearless that like fun like yeah i feel like fearless kind of has the same vibe so we might put those together who's alex though is alex speak now because he's not 1989. He doesn't deserve that. That's Izzy. Yeah. 1989 is totally Izzy. 
I guess Alex is fearless and speak now combined, maybe? Or something? Maybe. I don't know. We'll think about it. We'll let you know. Yeah, and if you have a, uh, you know, let us know. I have a on brilliant, Twitter. brilliant idea. Yeah. Tell us. Which one's Burke? <laughs> Look what you made me do. <laughs> the old Burke cannot come to the phone right now. Why? Oh, he's dead. Anyway. Christina lost it in her pile of whatever. Are you ready for it? Yeah. So we're going to cut. Right. Yeah. We're going to cut over to the three ladies in a OR observation deck. Meredith and Izzy are still knitting their sweaters. Um, or sweater, I guess, since Izzy's just replacing what <laughs> Meredith does. So I guess they're just knitting a sweater. And Christina's Chris- so angry. I know. And she's just like trying to be like, I got to get Burke out, I'm, you know, George out of my apartment. And Meredith says this. She goes, you know, you could sleep with him and then right in the middle start crying. It's painful and humiliating and unbelievably cruel, but apparently it works. And I'm like, wow. I think she's one of those people that like needs alcohol to like mellow her out. Yeah. <laughs> or men. Her sober is just <laughs> bringing out her dark sense of humor. I love it. I love dark sense of humor. And then Izzy goes, would you just keep knitting? Kick him out so he can come back home to us. And I'm like, oh. And Meredith's like, yeah, so I can ruin him again. Yeah. <laughs> She's like a spider with a web. No, I can't kick him out. You know, it's he's Burke's puppy. It's got to be Burke's idea. Just got to figure out a way to make him do it. <laughs> I love her. She's like, I just have to manipulate my boyfriend into kicking this nuisance out of my apartment. Exactly. <laughs> like, God damn it! why can't I just control everyone? I mean, honestly, why doesn't she just, like, go to Cali? It's like, hey, you know what you should do? Because she hates Callie. That's true. Everyone hates Callie. Nobody wants to talk to her. (laughs) So Doc is sick. Um, Metaphor. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Doc is sick. And I love this little back and forth (laughs) between them. Like they're completely doctors. They're so doctors. But it's like also cute, and you're like, oh. I know. It's like swoon. Especially when he does like. When he's like, I was considering running a course of IV antibiotics and a saline drip. And she's like, seriously? And then he's like, no, "No, it's a dog. So basically what you're supposed to be picking up on is the Meredare ship is sinking. And I personally will go down with that ship. We just hit an iceberg. (laughs) Christina's storyline in this episode is pretty much just her taking a class and learning. And I love that they included this storyline mm-hmm. in this episode. Because the re- writers are really trying to make the show realistic and including the mundane, everyday life that is so satisfying. I know. Like, this would actually be something that surgeons do. And it's, and it's also, like, a- emphasizing the fact that this is a teaching hospital. And it's kind of going along with the fact that, like, they're interns and this is a teaching hospital and they're supposed to be learning. And it's... Like, surgery is also kind of one of those fields where it's... There's constantly, you know, new techniques, new things growing. And so it's very realistic that they would have them going to classes and doing all of this stuff. So it's interesting. Well, it's also like this show is just so good at showing the intricacies of human experience. Like that is what it excels at. And this is one of those storylines. I prefer this. I would take this literally any day over like trauma action pack like just as much blood and gore as possible i would take this any day because it is so much more relatable so much better mm-hmm. so let's meet molly thompson who is feeling 22 and also feeling really pregnant there is so much taylor swift in this podcast <laughs> 
Um, she's Addison's patient who transferred from Mercy West. Make note that Seattle Grace was not their first option. Yeah. Make note. Also using the parallels, this is what Georgia's future look could look like. Which isn't bad. Also, her haircut for her head shape is not good. Not a good choice, Molly. Is it as bad as Kelly? <laughs> it's questionable. But it, like, it just, it makes her head look very long and narrow. <laughs> oh, I'm looking at it, yeah. It looks kind of like a white bean or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. With, like, hair. It's, it's, it... It was not a good choice, Molly. Come on, Molly. You can do better than this. We'll, we'll talk more about you. And that's pretty much all for that scene. <laughs> the real shit goes down in the hallway. Which, first of all... <laughs> I was about to say, can we talk about all the stuff in the background that's happening? In this? Yes. First of all, there is not no longer a, like, hand size Eskimo man. There is a very large Eskimo <laughs> man in the background that I found. He's, like, way bigger than he was. He's, like, I don't know. I'm trying to... Like, probably the size of a loaf of bread. Like, he has grown. <laughs> They're feeding him too much. <laughs> They're feeding him and he's growing. Also, what is that, like, advertisement for of, like, this person, like, laying on, like, another person? <laughs> like, let, me, let me zoom in. Like, what is it that? It says, changing lives... The something three guy registered today. <laughs> I'm glad my mom is here to walk. <laughs> what? what? It just looks like a really creepily like staged picture. Yeah, they're just. It's like some kid that's like asleep on his mom's lap. He's not. He's like his eyes are open <laughs> and staring straight into our souls. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, there's some weird shit going on like, in the background. No wonder their show. patients are really weird. <laughs> and then there's like this picture behind thatcher that's like red badge i don't even know what it is like i don't even know why you're laughing i don't i don't what is it it just looks really weird and then there's like this creepy kid like there's just like a picture of a black and white kid that's just it it looks like one of those things that would be like from like the 60s or something of like a missing child yeah (laughs) what it looks like like have you seen my child he would be 40 by now. And you're like, Ugh. Let's do an age progression. And then it's Thatcher. Anyway. So. <laughs> so anyway. There's this man stumbling around. And why this works so well is because the audience is the only one in this scene that knows what Thatcher looks like. And who he is. Yeah. Yeah. And who he is. And like, we know way, way more than George does. Because to George, this is just some random man walking around the hospital. Yeah. And so as soon as we see him, we're like, oh, shit. And then, like, George is like, oh, um, you're, you're Meredith's dad, or, you know? And then and then uh, Molly's mom comes out and says, hey, honey. And we're like, oh, shit. Double reveal. Oh, my God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thatcher has a whole other family that Meredith knows nothing about. Yeah. Whoa, good job, Grace. I really appreciate them writing in things that they know will be useful in the future. Mm-hmm. Well, and I also like the fact that that they didn't choose to have this reveal the first time Meredith saw him. Like, uh-huh. it could have been so easy for them to have, like, when she, like, knocked on the door or whatever, to have, like, Molly answer the door and kind uh-huh. of that be. And I kind of like that decision to not have that and then to use it here. Because it seems more realistic that that's how you would find out. And interesting. I just like it. Yeah. It's so cool. And I also like how they introduce us to Molly first as if she was, you know, just another mm-hmm. patient or whatever. The double reveal, man. Yeah. 
And then George is like, oh my god. Title card. So there's some soundtrack playing soundtrack music playing in the background here. That is um that was used a lot in season one in very early season two, and I just appreciate hearing it again. I like it. It's like that darner you know that one anyway (laughs) so now we have Derek asking Bailey for an intern and then she kind of is like the chief is mommy tracking me and it's like oh my god I don't care like I honestly like this mommy tracking thing goes on for like way too many episodes in my opinion however the only reason why I'll put up with it is because it becomes crucial to the rest of the season. Like, I understand in hindsight why they, like, why they shoved it in the audience's face so much because they're here like, guys, don't forget this, you know? Because it makes sense in hindsight. But, like, right now it's like, I don't care. Mm-hmm. It has a lot of implications later. Yeah. And so I'll put up with it. So, yeah. Oh my god, this is the beginning. So, let me just say this, guys. So, Ellen Pompeo's face takes you on a journey in this episode. There, Ellen Pompeo's face is a gift machine 2.0 in this episode. I made so many gifts, like at least six, from her face in this episode, and it begins here. You want to be Izzy? Sure. <coughs> Christina told me that George had a date with Ortho Chick games night. She didn't even take him home afterwards. She hinted that she wanted to and then she said she couldn't. That's weird. Right? Yes, girl. Yes, that's weird. And then Meredith goes, George made it perfectly clear that I'm not in his life anymore. Think Ortho Chick is hiding something? She could be hiding something. Yes, Izzy. Yes, keep going. Keep walking through that minefield. We are right behind you, girl. I honestly feel like Izzy would think anything is weird about Callie. Like, exactly. at this point. like That's the point. I just I like, love the pettiness. I think it would have been hilarious if they had the scene of, like, Callie just getting, like, a drink of water or something, and Izzy being like, do you see how she's drinking that water? That's so weird, right? Like, what does she think she... Like, who does she think she is drinking it like that or something? Mm-hmm. Like, it would just be so funny. Like, that is what this storyline is the equivalent well, yeah, of. And I it's mean, fantastic. I'm not going to sit here and say that Izzy is not being a petty child. She is. And... That's what I love about it. And I guess some people just don't feel that way, but I do. Yeah. I love it. I like it. Like, I feel like sometimes they can overdo it with stuff, but, like, right now, they're doing it at a very good level. Yes. They're not, like, overdoing it. It's it's used mostly for comedy. It's not, like... It's, like, the audience is meant to laugh at Izzy and being, like, oh, my God, like, you're going overboard. You know, it's not supposed to be, like, oh, my God, maybe she is hiding something, you know? Yeah. I don't know. So then Callie, like, throws this thing at her, which is hilarious. And Meredith looks like she could not give any shit. Like, she does not care. Yeah. She doesn't even react. She just stares at Callie like, this bitch. (laughs) I loved, like, Izzy's cat. Like, I love how they keep little things like that in the episode. Because it's just like last episode with the bag exploding. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's so great. Again, this is, like, when they're trying to make Callie, like, be this, like, tough girl, and I feel like it just does not work. I know I've said it multiple times, but it just, like, ugh. Like, right here when she goes, um, like, the, Stevens, hold this. George mentions you're not big on cardio. Gray, take the osteotype and the mallet, which, yes, Gray, take that mallet, and follow me. 
And I'm like, it just doesn't work. Like, you know how, like, she comes up and she does that little, like, like, you know, oh my god, like, you know what it is. It's that Zona eye thing. <laughs> Callie does the Zona. I see, I think, I think the problem is, like, they're definitely trying to make her this, like, bad, like, tough girl. But this whole thing, like, when she was reading this in the episode, I didn't get the, like, ooh, I'm this bad, like, tough girl. I just got, bitch. <laughs> yeah, I know. You're just like, like I was just ugh. like, ugh. Like, you know, like, George mentioned you're not big into ortho, so I'm going to torture you with it. Like, ugh, go it's like, away. It doesn't work. Like, like I feel like they could have had that line be different to mm-hmm. make the whole tough girl thing better. I just, I don't. I don't buy it, first of all, and I don't like it. You know what I mean? Like, I don't it's enjoy also, it. It's also weird. Like, I feel like if they had wanted her to have kind of that <clears throat> personality, they should have had it start off. Because she isn't that tough, like, ortho girl with George. Like, the first scene we had with her, she was practically, like, throwing herself at George. Mm-hmm. And so, like, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like if it had been something more consistent, yeah, it would have been better. I don't know. I uh, I don't know. Anyway. So anyway, um, I we're just gonna cut straight over to the next Callie Meredith Izzy scene, and honestly, I think this show should have more Callie Meredith Izzy moments because it makes me so happy. I don't even know how to describe it. I just, just like this whole setup of Meredith and Izzy are holding down this patient while Callie is like messing with his leg. Meredith looks like she's never been less interested in anything in her entire life. <laughs> she's just like, I can't believe I'm still here. And Callie's just like, hold it steady, Gray. And Meredith is like, what are you going to do if I say no? And Meredith's just like, I'm going to rip this man's leg off. <laughs> Meredith's like, I don't even care enough about him. Is he not dead yet? <laughs> like, that's her face. It's she, so funny. She grabs a scalpel, just stabs it into his heart. I took care of it. <laughs> yeah, we're done now. And then Izzy's just like, did you always know you want to specialize in orthopedics? And Callie says, did you always know you wanted to model? Like, why? Why would you even it's, say that? That uh, is such a bitch thing. Like, ugh. Like, and I get, I get that Izzy is like, kind of trying to pry and be oh, she's like, crawling up tell her us ass. like mm-hmm. this information. But like, she's also asking a question that would be perfectly reasonable for an intern to ask in this teaching hospital and then Callie's just has to be like a bitch back to her like that could have been like like what if she had like did you not always know you wanted to special in orthopedics like that would be a time for Callie to be like I knew I wanted you because I was really interested in this and I liked this and kind of I don't know I had this like great teacher and like I don't know it could have just been a better moment and then like it could have been for me a moment where I've been like well, okay Callie's kind of cool and then she says that line and I'm like Ugh. Like, I've never hated you more. The thing, I realized while you were saying it, the thing that that's the difference is that Callie is supposed to be older than them and she gets down on Izzy's level instead of taking the high road. Because the problem is, is that if she had taken the high road here, I think all of the audience would have been like, wow, Izzy's being kind of a jerk. Yeah. But because Callie responds is, in that way, is Bailey's level. Yeah. And she responds as someone who is so immature, like, even below Izzy. She responds as, like, less mature than, like, an intern. That's so true, because if you think about it, you know, Callie and Bailey, are they the same yeah. mm-hmm. age or whatever? Yeah. But I can never imagine Bailey saying that. Like, I yeah. mean, Bailey has said some questionable she, she would never go that but low. But that is, like, something. Like, be so immature about it. And Izzy's like, oh, okay. And it's like, you know that's a touchy subject. And you know why she knows that's a touchy subject? It's because George told her. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, wow, way to twist the knife. And then 
she goes, great, I mean it. Watch your grip. And Meredith is like, make me. And Meredith's just like, I have better places to be. And then Izzy goes, and your husband, he's a doctor, too. Is he a doctor, too? What are you trying to ask me, Dr. Stevens? My history, my marital status, my deep, dark little secrets? And then Izzy goes, I'm George's best friend. Which is like, yeah, you are. Mm-hmm. She gives Callie the bitchiest smile. Because see, and this is the thing. Callie is the first one in this scene to have that immature kind of thing. Because, I don't know, like, I get that the first question could have been her, you know, obviously, like, trying to get... But it's, like, it's also, like, she didn't walk into the room and her first question wasn't... Question wasn't, like, do you have an STD or something? Like, you know what I mean? Like, she asked a reasonable question and Callie could have answered that. And then if Izzy had gone on, then it would have been Izzy being the jerk and, like, the horrible person and Callie would have been this great person... But then because Callie go- has that low blow, then Izzy's like, all right, well, F it. Like, Well, it's like, yeah, it's like, wow, you really hit the nerve. And it's like Callie kind of started it because she threw that thing at Izzy, oh, yeah. you know? And, okay, so there's obviously unearned hatred from both sides in this scene. Yes. Obviously. There's no way that even the biggest Izzy Steven fan, i.e. me, can say that there's not unearned hatred. It's just that, like, Callie is woefully misinformed about the whole situation and she's acting like she knows everything about it because the next line is like the oh i see well it's just funny because what i understand as his best friend you haven't always been the best match maker in the past and i was like you know what callie fuck you oh my god and meredith's just like where's the scalpel i'm gonna stab you meredith (laughs) meredith is like her head is literally leaning to the side because she has no energy to even hold her head up and callie like pulls this man's leg like back into place or like hip back into place and meredith just like goes along for the ride it is hilarious ellen pompeo you own my heart but it's like wow callie man you are just so unbearable in this scene but it also just bothers me because it's like you don't exactly know what happened i mean like yeah Yeah. izzy was like you need to tell meredith which like you he had to tell her she didn't tell him to go sleep with her and then she didn't tell meredith to start crying in the middle of sex (laughs) yeah and you're getting the sense that like callie is doing that thing where she's just going to be on george's side because she's into george but it's like if you don't know the whole situation like if you were not personally in that situation you really shouldn't be like Mm -hmm hating on people you have never even met well and it's the whole thing i mean there's two sides to every story yeah just like yeah you know what like meredith screwed up but like so did george there's time there's yeah anyway speaking of jorge we go over to um izzy and george in like the stair landing and izzy's like your hair's grown out which is nice i still think you should cut it i could cut it for you if we live together or we could just hang out and talk about stuff like your new friend Callie she's uh she's very you know if you like her I will like her eventually and then George goes I can't escape her what all I want to do is forget her all I want to do is just escape her and you know I can't (laughs) and then he goes you want to escape Callie thank god because she's like a total freak and I was starting to really get worried about you (laughs) And then George is like, I want to rip your face off. And she's like, oh, not Callie. Oops. Uh, yeah. Oh, Meredith again. <laughs> Just <laughs> because she's a total freak. <laughs> the way 
way she said that, she's like, what and George a freak. is just like, I hate you. And George is like, kind of true. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I will never get tired of that. Well, oh, thank God, because she's a total freak. <laughs> and then I love, like, she lays that all on George. And George is like, mm, you want, I'm going to one-up you <laughs> and give you a huge-ass problem that I no longer have to deal with. <laughs> Meredith has a sister. <laughs> and Izzy's like, shit. And Izzy's like, damn it, why did I insult Kelly? <laughs> Because she deserves it, Izzy. Because she deserves it. So, Andrew and Bailey and Derek. Awake brain surgery. La-di-da. Freaking baseball. You into sports? Not really. How about baseball? You dumbass. <laughs> and then Andrew goes, baseball's a sport. How could you possibly exist on Earth and not know that baseball is a sport? You don't have to know anything else about baseball. But how do you not know it's a sport? How is that even possible? Derek. He's been balled up in a shit trailer for too long. No, Andrew said that. Not Derek. No, but Derek was the one that didn't know that. Baseball. No, Andrew didn't know that baseball is a sport. Yeah, he did. Because he goes, Derek goes, you into sports? And Andrew goes, not really. He goes, not really? Like, he's, like, questioning. And then he goes, how about baseball? And Andrew goes, baseball is a sport? I remember he kind of, like... Oh, I thought he was telling him. And then Derek looked at Bailey and he was like, right, okay, uh, what about uh, girls? You know, like, uh, obviously you're not into baseball because you didn't even know baseball's a sport. Oh, see, I thought it was Derek not knowing that baseball was a sport. No, you gotta rewatch that scene. I guess I just didn't hear the, like, question mark at the end of Andrew's line Well, and then something. Derek goes, uh, right, okay, so what about girls? Like, you know what I mean? I always got the sense that Derek played baseball. I don't know why. And then he goes, do you have any girlfriends? Which it cannot be a mistake that they made that plural when Derek is saying it. Girlfriends. Perfect. And then they have like them come up with like a series of different words. And I feel like they missed an opportunity here to like come up with like some like words that like correlate to the show. And they didn't. They just picked like medical words. <laughs> like what? Adultering. <laughs> or just like something that like, you know what I mean? Where you're just like, oh, I know why they picked that word. I also just love this next scene where Addison just starts reaming out George. Because <laughs> she's just like, you are the shittiest human being ever, O'Malley. Why the hell are you on my team? And then he goes, <clears throat> Meredith and Molly are sisters. And she's like, oh shit. <laughs> and Addison is like, God damn it, Meredith is everywhere. She's all-knowing. She's omnipresent. And then she's like, okay. And George is like, okay, thanks. Because these two are probably the two in this entire hospital that hate Mira the, the most. Oh, 100%. Besides, oh, please. 100%. She's running around somewhere. Oh, pleasing. She's probably started a Meredith Grey hate club. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Getting signatures. It's literally like, oh, please, Addison and George. Probably like Callie. Oh, that's true. George would totally bring Callie with him. He'd Callie would be like, I'd do anything you tell me to, George. So, Al we haven't talked about Alex Burke and uh, their patient at all, which... Patrice? Beatrice? Beatrice. Beatrice. Uh, and I, honestly, this is my this is some of my favorite Alex. I think my favorite thing about his whole character is his brutal honesty. So, Crazy by Nars Barkley <laughs> starts playing. And um, this is the lunch scene. It's going to be amazing from start to finish, so everyone brace yourself. And I just like that. So what do you? What are the sister and the father like? And Christina, like? They're like people that Meredith is related to and never met. It's like, what does that mean? <laughs> Christina's just like, I don't understand. What is a personality? I don't yeah, she's like, I do not have one. 
And then Izzy goes, you think she's going to freak out? And it's like, yeah, it's Meredith Izzy. Her whole life is a supernova. <laughs> it's not my responsibility to care. It's like, <sighs> well, we don't care about you either, it's George. Like, grow up, George. Yeah, seriously. He's still throwing himself a pity party over It's this. not my responsibility to care. Yeah, and then there's the patriarchy who has come to reestablish his masculinity. The chief. Freaking chief. And he's just like, uh, yeah, so, like, foundation is really important. He's trying, he's basically trying to be like, you didn't beat me today, Christina. And you know what? The only reason this works is because James Pickens Jr. just kills it. He does such a good job at acting like a man-child. I was about to say, this chief is such a child sometimes. He's such a little kid. You know what's weird to me is that the chief, like, the interns are all, like, little kids. You know, super immature. But I feel like the chief is, like, one of the only ones that can actually get down to that level and make it work. He's such a child. And then Meredith comes. George leaves again. And then she goes, it's okay. I can accept rejection. I've got my knitting. <laughs> How long before <laughs> Meredith knits herself into a cocoon? <laughs> That's what I want to know. She just knits herself out of the world. No. She's like in a cocoon and then she has to break her way out of it. And then Meredith goes, the weird thing is, I thought I just saw my father. Izzy, oh, that's good. That's so good. And then Christina, hmm, did you meet your sister too? And Izzy's face is like, why would you say that? This is all, I think that this actually might be better than season two, episode three, when she's like, uh, yeah, Meredith, my great grandmother, she died with Alzheimer's. Oh my God. Why would you say that? This, this actually might be better. I mean, when Christina does this kind of stuff, do you think Meredith appreciates it or hates it? I think she's just kind of like, what the hell? Because like, Meredith, Meredith looks at her like, like, what? Like, what is wrong with you? I also kind of appreciated the fact that her friends never once considered keeping it from her. Like, they were going to tell her immediately. You oh, know what yeah. I mean? But Izzy's face. Oh, my God. <laughs> it is, like, I LOL every single time I watch yeah. it. And just the way Sandra O's, I was like, hmm, you meet your sister, too? <laughs> just kind of like, like, it's, like, she asks it like it's just, like, this fact that everyone should know. know. Izzy's, like, like, like prepping to, like, let her down easy. And you go, did you meet your sister, too? And Izzy's, like, oh, my God. <laughs> She's, like, you ruined everything. <laughs> so funny. I knit her tissues for this. <laughs> so we're going to cut back to Derek Bailey and Andrew in the surgery. And honestly, it's just, like, this cute back and forth between Derek and Bailey, which it's, I... It's fantastic. It's nice. It's, like, nice to see them be kind of friends. Because, like, <laughs> season one, episode three, we got Dr. Bailey, shut up. <laughs> And now we have this, so this is kind of nice. <laughs> now it's my turn. Fibromyalgia. Fibromyalgia? Yeah, what's wrong with fibromyalgia? Andrew won the regionals. He's going to D.C. He's probably insulted by fibromyalgia. Okay, how old is Andrew? Did they say, like, 15? I don't know, whatever. He's in high school. Something like that. So Meredith is just stalking Molly outside of her hospital like room really now. Like, really creepishly. Like, really obviously, too. Like, just, like, walking back and forth in front. And Molly is not noticing. I don't know how. There's, well, because there's no Ellis in her blood. And, uh, she's only got Thatcher. <laughs> Can you imagine? She just, like, looks at Addison. There's been this weird doctor that's just circling around the hall right in front of my room for hours. And Addison's like, yeah, I know her. <laughs> that's your half-sister. <laughs> and Molly's just like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, and Addison notices, obviously, in this I will, I love this. Addison reaching out to Meredith and being like, 
Like, why don't you come in? Like, you know what I mean? Like, really trying to give her a way in. This is, like, a really friendly thing of Addison to do. And I love, love Addison and Meredith scenes. Well, I just like the fact that they're showing Addison. And, like, Addison could 100% be this horrible and mean person to Meredith. But she's trying to, like, Mm. she's taking the higher route and being like, you know what? I can be a better person. And Callie should take notes. There, That's what I was going to (laughs) say. There are two ways to deal with this kind of situation. You can be the Callie, or you can be the Addison. <laughs> Callie would just be like, you want to meet your sister, Meredith? But seriously, you can either be the Addison in any situation, you know, perfection, walking the earth, or you can be Callie, and I would rather be Addison. And I just love that this is Dr. Um, th- this is Meredith. Uh, she's going to take well, your vitals. Well, because she knew if she said, this I know. is Dr. Gray, but Molly I like would have been touch. like... I like that touch, though. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. And Meredith is, like, so cute in this scene. Because you know that, like, she's, like, barely holding on. She's like, um... Well, and especially when Molly, like, when Molly says the whole thing, like, when my dad cried, which was, I've never seen my dad cry before, but I think it was also weird for him. And, like, she's talking about how he got so emotional over this, like, moment with her. And I think, in a way, like, Meredith is like, I'm never going to get to have that mm-hmm. moment with anyone. Or yeah. anything, like, the type, like... Then she mentions Lexi in medical school, Harvard. She's a smart one. You should see how my dad is about her. He's, like, crazy proud. Mm-hmm. Remember this, folks. See, this is what I'm talking about. Like, I don't think that they assumed that they would use this, like, right away. Yeah. But they were like, let's plant this seed just in case, you know? Mm-hmm. We want to use it in the future. And then, holy Jesus Christ, I hope... If you are not sitting down, sit your ass down. If you're sitting down already... Stand back up and sit your ass back down. Because this is about to be one of the greatest moments of your life. (laughs) For all of you who listened to this podcast and you saw this and you were like, they're going to obsess over this scene. You're goddamn right we are. Because this is the greatest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. So come on, yeah, by the sunshine plays and Meredith just comes in and is like I just need to break something. And she comes into this room where you know it's already awkward because Callie and Izzy are working in this room. This is everything that I've ever wanted from this show. If the show ended right now, I would be satisfied. If my life ended right now, I would be satisfied. So she just like starts. I need some bones to break. Some and then Callie, what? Some bones to break. Something to smash. Can you help me with that? Meredith is wielding a hammer, and I have never been happier in my life. I love how like this whole scene. Meredith is literally, like, beating the shit out of this cast. Which is a metaphor for George. And Izzy is being crazy jealous. Like, they're both being crazy in this scene. But yet, to, like, a fan, it's Callie the one that seems weird. Yep. And you're like, how did they write this scene where these two are doing these absolutely insane things and you're still, like, this completely normal person in this scene is the crazy one. Okay, I can answer it. Or do you want to answer? Well, I was going to say what I think. Um, I think it's meant to show that even though Callie's with George, she's still an outsider to the original group. That mm. she still is not a part of them. And, like, she's not magic. And she never will be. Exactly. And you know what? I feel like Burke is aware of his place. I feel like Derek, when he was with Meredith, was aware of his place in 
the dynamic and Callie is just will not like the what Callie doesn't understand is that trying to separate George from his friends is the wrong mm-hmm. move and she will lose every time and you see kind of the differences between them because like you know Callie had this information about or like obviously like Callie's not happy with like Izzy and stuff but like we've seen other situations like when Meredith didn't tell Burke that Christina like still had her apartment mm-hmm. and he was like kind of upset with that but he was also like whatever like Like, know your place you are not intern otp you are not intern family and if you try to break up the intern family you will be destroyed they they are a unit that cannot be broken up and that's what i was going to say is the reason why izzy is complete crazy jealous bitch mood meredith is certifiably insane in this scene and yet callie is the one that seems crazy it's because you are the sixth intern that's what you're supposed to be audience we're supposed to be intern number six we're supposed to be able to enter this show and feel like we're friends with all of these interns we're supposed to be aligned with all these interns so i wrote this down point of view is so important to how we contextualize understand and feel about a story that is presented to us for 30 some episodes now we've been way inside of meredith's head we've heard her thoughts her musings her fears we felt all of those ups and downs along with her as if we were her and we get that with other interns as well not as intensely as meredith but we still are very much aligned with our five main characters and so it makes complete sense to me that in this scene it's not meredith or izzy that we're meant to judge and kind of like gaze upon it's callie Mm -hmm. we have the context of the violence that meredith is displaying we're in on the joke with meredith we're in on the joke with izzy and Christina, and George, and Alex. We're the sixth intern, and Callie is, quote, other. This show 100% critiques what society sees as normal. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're in on the joke with them, and Callie's the outsider. Yeah. And so we're meant to, like, hate her. Because if Izzy and Meredith hate her, and we're the sixth intern, and we're part of the intern family, we have to hate her, you know? I love it. I love that concept. Mm-hmm. It makes you feel like you belong to something, even though it's a television show. And Callie goes on and on about this, like, speech. About how George is, like, the greatest person ever. Which is, like, kind of cute. And you're like, oh, like, that's sweet that she, like, thinks that. But I just don't like the way that she puts it into, like, so you guys don't see him for what he really is. Yeah, it's like, shut the fuck up. And it's up. like, I don't know. Like, it'd be one thing if she was just, like, yeah, like, I really like George. Like, he's just really sweet and nice. And you're like, okay, like, oh, that's cute. Well, she's trying to claim that she knows more about George than the interns it's, do, which is it's impossible. the way that she's saying it mm-hmm. is condescending. Yeah, and then Izzy goes, you don't have to get all up. Like, you know, and she's like, he makes my world stop. George O'Malley. And I'm like, oh, can you just crawl out of my ass? I really don't like Callie in this episode. I also just love holy crap, George is her McDreamy. And then Meredith is just like, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Meredith's like, I need more cast. (laughs) Smash. Meredith is just like panting by the end of this episode and she literally throws the hammer at Callie. And if you look at um, Catherine Heigl's face when she throws the hammer, Izzy's like barely holding it together. Like she almost laughs. She's like, you just threw a hammer at her. And then she goes, clean it up when you're done smashing, which is obviously supposed to be george like when you're done destroying things because that's all callie looks at meredith and doesn't see a human being she just sees somebody that like hurt george she doesn't see two sides of the story so then we go back 
to the chief being more of a child. Yeah. And he beats Christina with his eyes closed, which is kind of cool. But he's just, they call me Dr. Weber. And you're like, ugh. <laughs> Stop being a two-year-old. Yeah, I know. But it's so, it's kind of, like, I don't know. The uh, James Pickens Jr. finds a way to, like, and the way Chris- be cute about it. Christina's, like, looking at him like, I'm going to rip your head off of your head. But she also is looking up like, yeah, I deserve this. You know? <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. And so we have more of um, Patrice, Beatrice, and Amelia. Also, can I just point out something? So, Alex goes off on this whole speech about, I tell the truth, it's what I do, or whatever. And, you know, it's Burke. I find it so interesting that Burke notices this inappropriate patient behavior and not the fact that Izzy and Danny are dating. (laughs) Do you think that Burke is a hopeless romantic? I think he might be. Izzy, (laughs) he secretly ships them. (laughs) Yeah, Izzy and Burke have a ton of personality similarities, and so I wonder if that's almost why he's missing it, you know? Like, he's like, oh, well, she's just being, like, super empathetic to her patient, you know? I love this. This, I cannot agree with Alex more. This is exactly the Alex that I like in this show. This is 100%. I am there with him. You know what I mean? When he goes, and you don't get to take that away from me and call it a lesson. So now we have this super interesting scene where Susan completely recognizes Meredith. Meredith has no clue who she is. Mm -hmm. It's just so interesting. I was surprised that they just like, it wasn't even like a big moment you know what i mean it wasn't like they were revving up to it or like she saw her in the hallway and there was like intense music like they just were just they just ran into each other like and i was kind of surprised that they had this moment but again they're setting yeah and she goes your father thinks about you he thinks about you a lot he just your mother your mother she broke him maybe not your place susan but okay i don't know do you like susan I was going to say 70 times better than Ellis. Yeah, but Ellis... The well, reason, she's the, a charming monster. The reason I love Ellis is the same reason I love Meredith. Well, yeah. So. But I feel like... Like, I like Susan as a character, mm-hmm. but it's not because of this episode. Right. Yeah. Spoiler. But, yeah. Wreck of a Day, acoustic version by Anna Nalik. So this is the same girl that... Um, did breathe. Did breathe. And... This song is hauntingly beautiful. Uh-huh. It's amazing. I freaking love this. And we get Thatcher and the Chief standing in front of the surgical Super board. And as soon as I saw that, I was like, this is all I've ever wanted. They've worked so hard on this show to set everything up. And now just having two people stand next to each other, you're like on the edge of your seat. Because they've worked so hard to like write this beautiful weaving storyline, you know? Mm-hmm. And we get this interesting thing where the chief is basically trying to tell Thatcher about Ellis's Alzheimer's. Mm -hmm. And so I don't think we like, so, you know, like Thatcher, I guess, had really no idea about Alice. So, and I don't think we ever discussed this, but like, how long do you think it's been since Meredith saw Thatcher? Like before season, episode 18? They said in episode 18 she said it's been 20 years to mark she said that i saw my father for the first time in 20 years and he goes how did that go oh right so 20 years i would say 
I would say when when see the twenty years also lines up with the Chiefs drinking, like they're hitting rock bottom. Okay. So I would say the last time that Meredith saw him was mm-hmm. when her mom moved her across the country. Yeah. Which like puts a whole new context on when Meredith takes the photo album to Ellis in season one and says, This is your family. Remember that? She's like, That's that's your husband. You called him Thatch. That's the red wagon. He got up for me for my birthday. She goes, this is your family. And it's like, no, it's not, you know? It's yeah. just interesting that now there's whole new, like, context mm-hmm. on that scene. Mm-hmm. I also try and think, like, what do you think? That, like, could Thatcher even, like, really do anything to help Meredith? Because, like, Alice for sure is not going to want to see him. He shows up in the nursing home. She's going to throw a fit. It's Alice. You mean help her now? Yeah, because that's, like, the chief is, like, trying to be, like, I'm trying to talk to you about Meredith, and, like, I thought you'd want to know. And it's, like, but what can he really do? I mean, the healing process takes a long time. He can, he can try. Yeah. But I just, I feel like at this point, it's, like, it's been 20 years, like, do you really think that she's gonna want to, like, talk to you about what's going on with, like, your ex? Well, I think the... This scene between the chief and Thatcher motivates the scene that comes later, where he's looking for Meredith. Yes. I think he was at least going to say something, you know? Mm-hmm. At least try. I mean, he he doesn't really know what to do, but he's trying to do something, you know? Mm-hmm. So anyway... Which also brings the point, do you think he was going to try to seek out Meredith before this scene with the chief? No. Hmm. I think he was going to avoid her. Because... the remember when George is like, I can page her? And he goes, no, no. In the beginning? Yeah. Yeah. I think that this changed his mind. Also, why is he wearing a three-piece suit? I want to know. Is he a lawyer? Because it's Also, Raul Esparza looks way better in a three-piece suit. Then we have this little cute scene with Bailey showing her little mommy sweet side Mm -hmm. with Andrew, but it's not really that important. Yeah. In this scene. Holy crap. Holy mama. This scene is, not gonna lie, I cry every single time. I'm gonna be completely upfront with you. I cried last time. Last time I watched it, I said, I'm not gonna cry. And then I cried. So, T.R. Knight, basically, he's like, hey, so they gave me this scene and T.R. Knight is like, yeah, I deserve to be acting with all these amazing actors. (laughs) I saw what Catherine did last episode, and I'm going to murder it in this scene. And then Ka- and then Catherine's like, oh, just wait for season two, episode 25. Anyway. So anyway, it's Thatcher and George, which is sweet, just from the beginning. These two characters are talking to each other, oh, you yeah. know what I mean? Because they're the parallels. They're the, they're the same person, yeah. you know? And so for the fact for George to... So this would essentially be Thatcher forgiving Ellis. Is what this scene is. Is Thatcher, Thatcher saying sweet, nice things about Ellis and seeing past her flaws? Is a bench is a essentially what's happening. And just the whole like George knows that Meredith is listening. You know, there's like that whole parallel of like, or not parallel, but that whole dynamic of like Thatcher doesn't know that Meredith is there, but George does. But George knows, and then, like Thatcher doesn't know what George and Meredith have been through, mm-hmm. and like, yeah. I mean, like, what we've been setting up for so long is that it's Meredith's fault. George doesn't owe Meredith anything. But then, hashtag intern family, and what this 
little speech is basically saying is, I will forgive you eventually. Yeah. It gives you hope. Do you want to do the dialogue? Yeah. Sorry, I do. I want to be George. Mm, I figured. I was looking for you. You're... Before, when I was asking about Meredith, you know her. You're her friend? Uh, I used to be her roommate. Oh, wow. You, You know her really well. Yeah, I know her pretty well. Um, she... She came to see me a couple weeks ago, and... A couple weeks ago? Yeah, I... I didn't know what to say to her. She looks so much... So much like her mother. Ellis was cold. I mean, I was a coward. I was... I... I left. But her mother would never let me know her, and now I don't know how to know her. Ugh. Well, Meredith is anything but cold. She smiles. Uh, Not that often, but when she does, uh, you know, because she's been going through a lot, but it's, um, it's, it's like you feel warm. She's kind. I mean, she can be a little selfish. Yes, she can be. She's flawed, but she's kind. She cares about people, and, uh, she cares about, about her patients. I think she's going to be a brilliant surgeon. You know, around here, she's known as the one to beat. So, I, uh, I mean, I guess she has that in common with her mom, but I think the rest of her, I think, I think the rest of her, she gets from you. Ugh. I mean, obviously I did no justice to that at all, but also, so let's go all the way back to the, a couple of weeks ago, George put those pieces together in his head. I think he's starting to, yes. I think he was like, shit. Like, a couple weeks ago, what else happened a couple weeks ago? He was kind of like... Uh, or yeah. like, huh. Mm-hmm. Also, I can't help but think that it's not a coincidence that they also had Izzy say, oh, it's been a couple weeks since you got your hair cut. You know, it's been a couple weeks. Like, they kept saying a couple weeks mm-hmm. in this episode so that you caught on to that. And then when the Thatcher goes, I was a coward, I left, there's a long hold on George's face, which is like, don't leave, George. You know, yeah. like, don't be... It's almost like George is like, Realizing that there's a parallel, and he doesn't want to fall into the same mistakes that Thatcher made, you know? Mm-hmm. I love how, in, even though George is still mad at Meredith, he's able to understand that she can't, like, handle seeing her father and doesn't want to. Mm-hmm. And he is, like, almost protecting her. Yeah. In a way. I know. And this, to me, is almost, like, the first signs that he's like, you know what? Like, I am kind of, like, I can get over this. Mm-hmm. What he's basically saying is, like, I still love you, Meredith, as a friend, of course. You know what I mean? Like, I still love you as a person, and I will still defend you and protect you and be loyal to you. George is the loyal one, you know? Well, it's also kind of like what Meredith was saying a couple episodes ago where she was like, look, I'm sorry, and I know, like, you might not get that right now, but, you know, whenever you do decide to kind of, like, look back, I'm still going to be there. And this is kind of George saying almost the same thing to Meredith of, like, we might not be talking and like on the best of terms right now, but like, I still know you and I'm still friends with you and I'm still going to defend you and protect you and like, mm-hmm. all intern this stuff. family, intern family. And, just, ugh. and then like Ellen just staring at him while this was all happening. Good job, Ellen. And then she just goes, "Thank you, George." Yeah. You know, and you're like, ah. "Do you want to read this gray matter thing?" Yeah. So, so in Thatcher, the incredible Jeff Perry and family show up at the hospital, he's forced to take a step back from the situation and see that deep down, maybe he doesn't hate, hate Meredith. And when he chooses to tell Thatcher about Meredith's good nature, he in turn is 
taking a teeny baby step towards healing. And I think no one will benefit more from his forfeiting the anger, angry game than George. Just look at Thatcher. Mm-hmm. Thatcher's hold, held on to that hate for so oh, long yeah. that it's almost destroyed like his whole mm-hmm. life. And yeah. And George is like, I don't want this to destroy my whole life, basically. Because like, I mean, as many jokes as we make about Meredith... Everything he said was 100% true. Oh, yeah. Meredith, deep down, is a sweet, kind person who is flawed and selfish, but she is a good yeah. person. You know what I mean? She turned out good. And then I like how almost the next scene after that, they have an example of her kind of being a kind person, like, and she's almost overwatching Molly's surgery and, like, making sure it goes okay mm-hmm. and, like, that. Because she cares, yeah. Yeah. Because, like, she wouldn't be in that gallery if she didn't care in some way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. And then we have Meredith and Derek talking, you know, whatever. And she goes, I met a sister I never knew I had. And I saw my father. I just, you know, again, I can say it 10 million times, but Ellen, delivery, awesome. Uh, This speech uh, between um, Beatrice and Amelia, this actress deserves a role in something. Like, it so breaks good. my heart. And maybe it's because, like, I'm a girl and I have a mom. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? But, like, holy crap. I don't know if I really want to read it all. But I, I cried again. Yep, I did. Mm-hmm. I... Just the, the, you know, and... Oh, actually, hang on. This one part. This one part is so good. But I'm going to let you in on a little secret. It doesn't matter whether your kid is a concert pianist or a math genius. It just doesn't matter because at the end of the day, all that matters is if your kid is happy. So you're going to feel sad for a little while. And that's okay. That's fine. But don't feel sad forever, okay? You promise me that? You promise me you won't feel sad for too long? Mm. I feel like it breaks your heart. I'm on the edge right now. I'm about to cry. <laughs> And this, I think, I think this is a good time to talk about some of the Alex stuff, because obviously, kind of, she is saying a lot of this because of what he said to her. Mm -hmm. And so it begs the question, like, does he have a point for, like, wanting to be honest with his patients? Because I think, I don't think his problem is the fact that he wants to be honest. I think it's how he says it. Mm -hmm. Because this would have been such a, like, he could have sat down with Beatrice and been like, look. I know you're trying to protect her and, like, all of this stuff, but, like, really, like, if she has, if she can't see this coming and, like, enjoy your life, like, it could have been, you know, more of that, like, professional doctor-patient. It's just how he kind of expresses that honesty that I think is where it gets the, like, problem. I think the character of Olivia Benson does it extremely well, where she can be, like, really, like, hard on somebody, but, like, still do it in an empathetic way personal way. Well, it's like, I'm being hard on you and I'm saying this, but it's because I care. Mm -hmm. Because I don't want you to, like, make a mistake or, like, mess up. Well, Alex doesn't care. That's the difference. I think he does, though. In his own weird Alex way, it's like, I think he's telling the truth because he's like, it's gonna suck more when you die and she has no idea. Yeah. I guess. I think it's all him being, like, I think he's just sick of people around him lying, which, you know, pop meat kettle Alex. But, like, you know what I mean? Like, he's just, like, people are keeping secrets and they're lying and it's bothering me. So I'm going to take it out on this patient is kind of how I, I see that. But I love it. Oh, I, 
it is my one of my biggest pet peeves becca knows this when people just lie to you like i freaking hate it Mm -hmm. so alex being that super upfront like look this might hurt for a little bit when i tell you the brutal honest truth but it's better than being lied to for a long time Mm -hmm. and so izzy goes and visits denny and they look at each other and my face is melted and um i know they're so adorable and um she gives him the sweater which is adorable yeah it's like it actually looks like a really nice sweater like something i I would wear I also love the fact that Izzy's entire storyline for this was knitting a sweater and being a little jealous bitch. And it works so well, right? <laughs> like, what did she do all day? Like, they probably were like, Stevens, we need you in surgery. And she was like, I can't. I'm knitting the sweater. Well, she was working with Callie. Okay, for like a half a second. But like, you know what I mean, though? Like, I feel like everyone else was kind of like with a patient and she's just like, I'm knitting and being jealous. What a great show. What a great show. <laughs> Guys, I love this show. Uh-huh. Ugh. And so this is another quote from Grey Matter blog. Most of all, I love the way Izzy lights up when she's around him. Retweet. I love their relationship because it's so pure and honest and completely game-free. They just make me so happy. Except for Scrabble. Mm-hmm. But it, it's so true. Like, Alex and Izzy like to play games with each other, and their relationship is so upfront and genuine, you know? It's just like, what you see is what you get, and it's so pure. And that's why I love Izzy and Denny adorable mm-hmm. it's like the relationship that everyone wants to have yeah and <laughs> christina asking the chief for advice oh my I god love it. old school yang muscle memory you want to win always go back to the basics <laughs> the chief yeah and so this of course we cut over to burke and george because remember in the beginning of this episode she was like gotta get this bitch out of my apartment and Burke went to Tulane, apparently, which explains why he's a trumpet god, because that's from Louisiana. And they're playing chess in their apartment, and Burke is like, is it my move? And George is like, no, no, no. They're, like, so intense in, the, in this game right now. And Christina comes out completely naked. And George is like, oh, my God. I also love the fact that, like, both of them are like, oh, my God. And Christina's like, I literally couldn't give two shits. <laughs> like, and Burke is like, what are you doing? <laughs> she just does it His purely for the fact of getting George out. Yeah, I know. Burke is like, what? What? He's like, system overload. I don't know what to do. And he's like, get out. And he just kicks George out. It's so <laughs> and funny. And George, like, runs out. He falls, too, yeah. which is hilarious. Which is fantastic. So, Fear You Won't Fall by Joshua Radin starts playing actually one of my favorite songs from all of Grey's Anatomy. This song is gorgeous. So, we cut over to a now homeless George who is a sad puppy and i mean like okay here's the thing if you're gonna be homeless being a doctor in a huge hospital is actually probably one of the best circumstances because like you have your locker where you can keep a lot of stuff and then like you work all the time and there's beds mm-hmm. but he's calling callie instead because and i guess get- he wants a late night hookup yeah or anything and we get this super weird reveal that she lives in the hospital this is so which like and she goes she's like i'm not crazy or anything and it's like i'm sorry but wouldn't this be like a huge sign in the dark like there might as well be like a neon sign behind her of like she's crazy george run george run like he's like oh look at all those red flags in my rear view mirror better keep going down this road oh my freaking god and then george is like do you cut hair which is on purpose that Izzy mentioned 
specifically oh, yeah. offered to cut his hair and he goes no i don't want you to do it i want callie to do it meaning yeah. that i want to be friends with callie over you yeah. i do have to say though this little kiss between them it's kind of cute sure i thought it was cute the okay, how he does it the cute. idea of it is cute like you know cute. he like pulls her over and then like they kiss you know, but, like, ugh, I ship George in the stairs before I ship George and Callie. <laughs> George in the stairs. George falling head over heels for the stairs. It's cute. Sure. <laughs> but let's not go over this. Callie lives in the basement of this hospital. <laughs> what? That's how, creepy as how hell. How has no one noticed? That is creepy as hell. There's gotta be black mold growing in that basement. Like, think about it. It's like... Seattle, it's gotta be moist down there. Oh my god, that's why her hair looks like that. She lives in the basement. <laughs> oh my god, we cracked the code. That's what they're going for. I feel like we need a name for this basement. We'll come up with something for next episode and we'll surprise you all. Anyway, yeah, Callie lives in a basement, which surprises literally nobody because she's a psycho. Anyway, um, so we cut over to Meredith sitting at the vet. She is still knitting. I, I feel like Izzy was just like, yeah, whatever, and just gave up on trying to replace Meredith's stuff. <laughs> and then, like, this, like, receptionist, Lola, she goes, you getting the hang of it? Meredith, not really. You give up men? No. Yes. <laughs> and the receptionist is like, get ready, sweetie. Because Finn comes down. His Looking name is Finn gorgeous. Dandridge. And gorgeous. he's Doc's vet. And he's like, Hello. And Meredith, like, looks at him, and then she just has this, like, oh, shit moment, and she's just, like, knitting, knitting. Yeah, and she just looks up, and she's, like, and then just looks straight back down and starts knitting, like, a storm. Which, he's good-looking. He's not, like, like... He's cute. I need to pour cold water on me, though. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, he's not Derek. Well, yeah. Like, okay, Finn... But he's still, like, like, if I saw him passing in the street, I'd be, like, he's cute. Yeah, Finn or Derek? Ugh. Just by looks. By looks? Mm -hmm. Derek. Okay, Finn or Mark, just by looks? Finn. Yeah. Finn or Alex, just by looks? Finn. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, Finn. So he's like second place, but only to Derek, and Derek just 100% is higher than him. I don't know, Finn, like, you don't see it so much here, but he has a weird, like, double chin. I'll show you later. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. I feel like half the reason I like him is because, honestly, like I, I think he's more attractive. Like I don't know if you've seen any like recent pictures of him, but he's um he stars in NCIS LA mm -hmm. now, and he's like he's attractive in that show. Oh, I was gonna say he's so much uglier in that oh, show. I, he was more I was gonna say this is the best he's ever looked. Oh no, I like I well I like in that in like LA his hair's shorter and I like that. Oh really? Yeah. That's what I don't like. Oh really? Yeah. Well, I guess we'll never fight over a guy. Anyway, um, so closing speech. Life is not a spectator sport. Win, lose, or draw, the game is in progress whether we want it to be or not. So go ahead, argue with the ref, change the rules, cheat a little, take a break, and tend to your wounds. But play, play. Play hard, play fast, play loose and free. Play as if there's no tomorrow. Okay, so it's not whether you win or lose. It's how you play the game, right? Mm -hmm. Fun fact, Jeff Perry, so that's Thatcher Gray, and Lori Metcalf is the woman who plays uh, Beatrice 
and they were previously married to each other and both appear in this episode, but their characters never interact. And another fun fact, the couple's daughter, Zoe, appears in season nine. But yeah, so I guess they're not married anymore. Hmm. Seriously count one. Patient rankings. Ours are similar, but not the same. So nine number four is Andrew, because I really just don't really see the point in having a whole storyline that has nothing to do with any of the five interns, except that I know it's I know it's gonna come into play later, so I'll, it's okay. But yeah, not a big fan. See, I put Denny as number four because he wasn't really like a patient or anything in this episode. Like, obviously, I love him and Izzy and all of that stuff, but like, I feel like he didn't do much in this episode. Well, I really like the symbolism of that sweater for later. And I won't say anymore, but I like the symbolism of that sweater. It comes into big emotional stakes later in the show, so. Okay. I didn't think about that. I don't know. My number yeah. three is Denny. Yeah. Our yeah. two is Beatrice. That speech to Amelia Ugh, is Grey's Anatomy so. at its finest. So good. It's so, it's like heartbreaking. It's like the Grey's Anatomy writers like know exactly where to put the knife to just like hit the nerve. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then my number one, obviously, is Molly. Molly. Yeah, that brought Thatcher. That brought the scene between Susan and Meredith. I mean, Thatcher well, and the chief, Thatcher and George. Say, I was about to say, and... Lexi? That whole thing brings so many implications, not only for this episode, but, like, forever. Like, like way into the future. Thatcher, like, the whole reveal of him having another family, mm-hmm. that whole thing, like, it's just huge. Yeah. So, you can't, you can't beat Molly. I don't have a make one change. I talked about my make one change earlier. <laughs> yeah. Um, so next week is 223 Blues for Sister Someone, written by Elizabeth Klovzavir. Klovitter. 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 Written by Elizabeth Klovitter, directed by Jeff Melman. Um, yeah, that one is impossibly better than this one. It, I didn't it's, think it was possible because Meredith holds a freaking hammer in this one. She wields a mallet. It's the best thing that's ever happened. But next week is actually better. Uh, to get in touch with us, you can on Twitter. It's at Grey's Uncut for the podcast. Uh, our Gmail for longer questions or comments is Grey's Anatomy Uncut at gmail.com. Our website, where all of the episodes are posted and you can leave a comment on this specific episode, is Grey's Anatomy Uncut.home.blog. And we're also on iTunes, which shout out to a few people on iTunes who like rate and rated us. No reviews yet, but we got some ratings. And shout out to the son of a bitch <laughs> who gave us a one out of five. <laughs> you're our favorite fan you are definitely our favorite because i was going through it and i was like we don't deserve any of these five out of fives nope not at all our content is terrible and then i saw the one out of five and i was like yep this guy probably thinks we're heartless bitches (laughs) retweet yeah i saw the one out of five and i was like that's about right i was like yep thanks so anyway see you next week bye